Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We all know that life can be very difficult at times. And in the midst of those hard things that happen to us, we need to remember the truth of God. And one great place to find very practical truth for our life that gives us encouragement and assurance in order that we persevere and endure and even overcome the enemy is found in the psalm that we're going to be looking at at this time. And I'm referring to Psalm 103. So take out your Bible and look there with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 103. The first thing we're going to see is that David is the author of this psalm. And when you think about David's life, he went through a vast range of different experiences. He knew the, the, the pinnacle of having a wonderful life, being king over God's people, having such responsibility and, to a large degree, handling that responsibility and doing so in a God-pleasing way. But David, he was not perfect. There were times that he failed. There were times that he rebelled. There was times that he committed great sin. And he learned about God's mercy. He learned of God's restoration. He learned of God's power to bring things that that he had destroyed, that God brought them back and put them in a proper order. David, through this vast range of experiences, learned so much about God, how God works in a person's life. And to me, Psalm 103 is a great psalm that teaches me those things that I need to remember, those things that I need to implement in my life, those things that give me encouragement and hope to persevere and to overcome when the enemy is attacking, when I have messed up and failed, when I have thought things incorrectly, and now reaping the consequences of bad decisions that I've made, Psalm 103 ministers to me. And my hope is that in this time of study, this teaching will also minister to you. But what's even better than listening to to me or anyone else is you taking Psalm 103 and reading it and rereading it again and again and again and praying through this psalm read a verse and then pray to god god teach me what i need to know from this verse what are the things that that i need to implement in my life things that i need to remember and know god please through the holy spirit 
be my teacher today at this time that's what i do and god is so faithful so look with me to psalm 103 let's begin in verse 1 the first thing that we see and i've made mention to this this phrase le david which means by david that this is a psalm of david some bibles will put that phrase in there a psalm of david but literally all that's there is of david that he is the author of psalm 103 it begins look on to the second part of verse one where it says barchi nafshi which means my soul bless the lord now we see this in the form of a commandment david is wise he's recognizing that it is proper for our soul to bless the lord and blessing is a form of worship it is a form of of adoration of god so he says my soul bless the lord and all that is within me now this is the essence of david's life the real david and what does david want to do he says and all that is within me bless and that word bless must be taken from its first occurrence in this this verse because it's not repeated in the second half it's understood all that is within me bless his holy name now there's great wisdom in this why because david is acknowledging the wonderful character of god and one of the things that we're going to see in psalm 103 is god's character and god's character is very much the basis for god's actions his behavior what he does and realize that same thing is true for us we have a godly character we're going to behave godly we have an ungodly character a character that's reminiscent of this world and the ways of this world then we're going to behave in a most displeasing way before god we're going to be like the world remember what yeshua said to peter once he says peter you 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 need to get behind me satan why because you are thinking as a man thinks you say well he was a human being yes he was but we need to think according to the mind of messiah it is only when we are in that new covenant relationship with god through the blood of messiah then and only then are we going to be able to hear from god and also have the ability becoming that new creation in order to carry out god's will and do the things we should so look again he says my soul bless the lord and all that is within me the implication is bless his holy name verse 2 it begins in this same way my soul bless the lord and then notice what it says in the second part of verse 2 and do not forget and the implication is my soul ought not to forget and so that that real person who you truly are don't you forget 
all of his, and most Bibles will say, all of his benefits. But here's the problem. The Hebrew word gamul is better understood as a recompense. Now, some will say reward, but a reward usually is thought of in a, a positive way. We like rewards. But this word simply means a response from God to an individual based upon what that person has done. And we need to remember, if we are obedient, there is blessing. If we are disobedient, God still makes a recompense, but it won't be a pleasing one. It's not going to be a reward in that sense, but it's going to be a punishment, a discipline. What he's saying here is this. We need never to forget that God is a responsive God. He's aware of what we do and what we don't do, and therefore he responds to us as we respond to his instructions. This is something that that so many people ignore, never think of. God responds to us on how we respond to his instructions. You will find that more often than not, when God in the Bible speaks to someone, he speaks in the form of commandments. He tells us what to do and what not to do. And God's going to respond to us in regard to whether we do the things we ought to do and whether we don't do the things we ought not to do. Well, let's move on to verse 3 where he says, The one who forgives all of your transgressions. What a wonderful thought. The key word here is all. Yes, God forgives. He forgives all of your iniquity. This word avon is better understood as iniquity. He forgives all. But notice the second part. Not only is God a forgiving God, but it also says he's a healing God. The one who heals all of your diseases or sicknesses. Now, again, God's ability to minister to us restoration comes from the fact that God can forgive completely and God can heal completely. But we have to see something. And that is, this scripture is pointing out something, and that is that there can be a connection. Does that mean it's always that way? It does not. But there can be a connection between sinfulness, whereas it says here, iniquity and disease. When one becomes sick, doesn't mean that this one is sick because of sin in their life, but it's a possibility. And it's wise too, when you're sick, to confess sin, transgressions, iniquity, ask for forgiveness you may find that that healing comes not only to that inner person, the forgiveness of sins, but also to that outer man, and that is the healing of diseases through that same repentance. Again, always one is sick because of sin? Absolutely not. But it is a possibility, and this scripture is emphasizing that as a real possibility. Verse 4. 
the one who redeems your life from the pit. Now, this word pit is referring to a place of decay, a place of of destruction or corruption. And I think it's very clear what we see here. Sin brings about corruption and decay. Sin is very destructive in our life, both from a fiscal standpoint, a physical standpoint, and a health standpoint as well. Health in the fullest sense, both physical and spiritual health. But he says here, look at verse 4. The one, and the implication is the only one, who redeems your life from corruption. And notice what he wants to do. He redeems us, and that redemption has a wonderful outcome. It says here, the one who crowns you with grace and mercy, and mercy is in the plural, an abundant mercy. See, what I love to remember about God is, God, you are a forgiving God, Yes, you are a healing God. You're a God of restoration. But God, you are so gracious and your mercy is abundant. You know, you cannot say in Hebrew, mercy in the singular. We say rachamim and the im at the end is the plural. So God crowns us with with grace and abundant mercy. And then look at verse 5. The one who satisfies, and this word means to make satisfied. The one who satisfies with goodness. What's goodness? It's the word good for will, the will of God. We find satisfaction in the will of God. See, for me, this is something that I always want to remember. I will find satisfaction in God's will. I will find disappointment, frustration, discouragement, defeat, all these negative things, where do I find them? Outside his will. So he instructs me to obey his will, not because God needs me to do that. God needs nothing. He instructs me to obey his will. Why? For my better fit and for the benefit of others that that if I'm in his will, doing his will, then I can be a blessing to others. But again, it says, the one who satisfies with goodness. And there's a debate on what this word means. Now, I did some research because it's a peculiar word. It can mean one's old age. So he satisfies with goodness in your old age. Now, many Bibles will translate this word as mouth. He will satisfy with with good things your mouth. But if we keep reading, we see something. And this is why the laws of Hebrew poetry are so important. If we keep reading, it says, you, referring to God, you will renew as an eagle your youth. Meaning, God you will renew as an eagle the implication is my youth but the implication is is for you your youth god will renew like an eagle now you see 
Youth referring to a time period in someone's life. So he satisfies with his goodness the old age. And God is the one who renews, and this is a, a request, God renew my youth as an eagle. Verse 6. God does something. He makes, and notice this next word, it's a word for righteous things. But again, it's in the plural. So God makes righteousness, and he does so abundantly. And notice the outcome of this. The Lord, he makes righteousness. And then notice, and judgments. For who? For all the ones who are oppressed. God is faithful. If you are in the, the, the position of being oppress realize it's temporary there is coming a a release there is coming a time when god is going to set you free from the one who is oppressing you now in one sense today is that day from that spiritual oppression of the enemy you do not have to live under the authority of the enemy you can change all of that by simply receiving the gospel but notice God's work of releasing you from oppression is is connected to the righteousness of God and the righteous things that he wants you and me to be committed to and to be practicing in our life he does that I esteem the character of God therefore I will want to do those same things look again the Lord makes righteousness and judgments to all those who are oppressed. Verse 7. He makes known his ways to Moses and to the children of Israel his deeds. Now it's parallel. His ways are associated with his deeds. He made them first known to Moses. How? through the law of Moses and now we see God behaving in regard to the people people executing the commandments of God doing the commandments of God God he makes known what his ways are but the question is this am I going to experience his ways well that depends if you implement his commands into your life you are going to experience the activity of god the actions of god and that's what this scripture is saying verse verse 8 merciful and gracious is the lord then we have a word for for lengthening anger he's he's long-suffering he he postpones his anger for he is abundant in grace and we see a connection here between rahum ve chanun this this mercy and one word for grace and then a second word or a third word for grace chesed which is he says this abundant grace god lengthens his anger meaning he withholds his anger he delays it in order that people can become a recipient of his abundant grace verse 9 not forever will he contend 
Now, the context is this. God wants to give us this mighty grace, but but not forever is he going to offer this grace. So not forever will he contend, and not forever will he uh, withhold. Now, this is a word which means to keep back something, or it can mean to tend to something. So God's not going to forever keep himself from tending to what he needs to do. And what is that? We've already saw. God is a maker of righteousness. And God, he will delay that for a season. Why does he delay it for a season? So you can take hold of his grace. God doesn't want to display his anger upon you or anyone. But there comes a time where God says, enough. He will not hold back forever this is what the scripture is saying verse 10 good news verse 10 not according to our transgressions does god act to us so god doesn't make things do things in light of what we deserve according to our our sins and not according to our iniquities does does he recompense us if if he every sin that i did he would would respond in what i deserved i would be no longer on this this planet i would have experienced destruction already but god look again verse 10 not according to our sins does does he do for us and not according to our iniquities does he respond to us for and this is why look at verse 11 for as higher than the heavens is of the earth or we could say over the earth as higher is the heavens over the earth so too this is the implication is mighty his grace concerning those who fear him and what does that mean those who give him priority now we see something god is gracious he's got abundant grace we learned that he's merciful he's kind he's he's long-suffering he extends his anger doesn't display it holds it back but he does so for those who will give him priority give to him the priority of our life that's what we're called to do that's what faithfulness is about so mighty is his grace concerning those who fear him verse 12 as far from the east is from the west he has set far from us our transgressions now in this we see the term for iniquity we saw in the previous verse the word for sins and now we see the words for transgression and the reason why we're seeing all these three words is because these are the three primary words for sin iniquity and transgressions those things that are displeasing to god that are a violation of the will of god in his instructions what is god doing 
as far as the east from the west god is going to put our transgressions from us that's good news why does he do that so that we can have assurance that we're not going to be the recipients of his judgment of his wrath and why would god do that we'll look at the next verse verse 13 as a father has mercy upon his children the lord has mercy upon the ones who fear him now this is the second time we've seen the importance of fearing god and again what does that mean making god and his will his purposes his commandments the priority of your life i do not know why it is so controversial the commandments of god commandments are good what does paul say in the book of of romans believe in romans 7 12 he says that the law is good the law is is holy and the law is profitable and then in verse 14 he says the law is spiritual it's we who are in messiah who have become spiritual not those who have rejected the gospel but we who have received it meaning that we can utilize the law of god in the proper way we're the only ones that can do that before salvation the only purpose that the law has is to show us our unrighteousness let me say it again before being born again the only purpose that the law has is to show us our need of a savior and the law gives us a framework for understanding the work of salvation how god does redemption what we should expect the parameters of that but now as believers being born again that is regenerated becoming a new creation now we can utilize the law of god the commandments of god under the leadership of the holy spirit to show and demonstrate the priority that god has in our life and over our life verse 14 for he knew now this is the word many will translate it in the present for he knows that makes sense to us but this is saying that god always knew something and he knows it completely in its entirety and what does he know our framework how we've been made why he made us and he knows our our frailties the 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 shortcomings of humanity and he says he remembers that dust or or soil are we he knows from where we came from he knows what we are and he will be merciful he will have understanding but he does not compromise his commands for he has known our framework remember that we are our dust verse 15 for a man and this can mean a human being enosh a human being is like grass the days his days so the days of a human being are like grass and the the blossoming of the field is is how he blossoms meaning this it's short 
it, it's temporal it does not endure here today gone tomorrow now that should have some very serious implications for us if my life is short a vapor here and then gone the the glory of my life is fading quick like a flower in the field then i should not put so much emphasis on me and my life i need to be wise and put emphasis on that which is eternal now through faith i become an eternal being now in one sense we're all eternal why ultimately the soul the human soul will not be destroyed it cannot be annihilated it endures forever and ever the question is where either in the lake of fire that is its final resting place and it doesn't have any rest it means that's where it's going to be in torment in sorrow in in fear that's one possibility the other is eternity in the kingdom of god with a new body a kingdom body whereby we will become the eternal recipients of the goodness the promises the blessings of god but but this life is is not important it's only important if we use it for the purposes of god and we turn it into importance and we emphasize the eternal things and not the temporal so humanity his days are like grass and like the flower of a field is is his glory thus he will will be just here today gone tomorrow verse 16 for wind some will say the wind the definite articles not there for wind has passed through it and is no more and it will not remember any longer its place so it comes and it goes and it doesn't have any attachment to where it was now why is that verse there that verse is there to teach us something the word wind is also the word for spirit and there is a spirit within each of us that is that nishima the soul and what it's saying is this the the soul of an individual it passes through and it doesn't have any remembrance of of where it was why everything's temporal what we need to glean from that is having a change in our mentality our thought process where we remember where it has been why these are all opportunities to demonstrate faith we just don't pass from one place to another and everything's unrelated that's wind but we're spirit and with the spirit there is purpose with the spirit there is actions it brings us a change a transformation and that's what god wants us to have the mindset of we can bring change eternal change when we submit to the instructions of god verse 17 the grace of the lord is from forever unto forever 
So it's from forever and unto forever upon those who what? Fear him. This is the third time. Those who fear him, we're going to have unlimited grace. And his righteousness is to the sons of men, meaning humanity. Now, it could simply be saying to the sons of sons, meaning it goes from one generation to another generation to another generation. That would be the better way to understand it. Once more, the grace of the Lord is from forever unto forever to those who fear him and his righteousness. Now, realize something. In this passage, we see that grace is parallel to righteousness. Why is that? Because God's grace produces righteousness in our life. And what is righteousness? Well, we only know what is righteous from the commandments of God. It is the commandments, the Torah, that that teach us about what is right and what is wrong. So again, the grace of the Lord, we could just simply say, is forever unto forever. For those who fear him and his righteousness is to the sons of sons. It's ongoing. Verse 18. For the ones who keep his covenant, to the ones who remember his his charge his commands another word for a commandment for the ones who remember his commandment and to do them we remember them in order to do them and all of this speaks about why and how we keep the covenant we keep the covenant because we acknowledge his instructions are good they have a purpose verse 19 the lord is in the heavens and he prepares he has prepared his throne and his kingdom is in all dominion meaning this he's ruling over all his kingdom is going to be over all things and he is going to bring that throne which is in the heaven he is going to bring it to earth to establish his kingdom and then look at verse 20 his angels whose angels the angels of the lord bless the lord that's the implication his angels bless the lord now here angel can be also a messenger there can be angelic angels but there can also be human messengers those who are given a task those who have an assignment and the word here is a word that speaks about fulfilling the objective of god that is the messenger so the lord blesses his angels bless the lord and the mighty ones of power they do are doers of his word so when we worship god and notice what it says here when we worship god we bless the lord what are we going to become mighty ones of power and that power is given to us why so that we can be doers of his word and we're going to listen be hearing of the voice of his word that voice of his word check it out it's speaking about god's counsel so when we have this as our objective 
the Holy Spirit's going to counsel us concerning his word so we know how to implement it into our life. In other words, he is going to give us wisdom that allows us to take knowledge and, and act on that knowledge in a proper way in a given situation, knowing the right thing to do at the right time and in the right situation. Verse 21, bless the Lord, all of his hosts, meaning his, his heavenly armies, and his servants, what do they do? His servants do are doers of his will. It can also be doers of his delight. And that's what we really want to do. We want to be people that behave in a way that delights God. So just ask yourself a question. How have you delighted God today? What are the things that God would have us to do that would be pleasing to him? Of course, they're all related to his will. And then finally, let's conclude with our last verse. Again, bless the Lord all of his works. Meaning this, what he does is pleasing to him. And therefore, we, if we want to bless God, we are going to be participating in the activity in the work of God. In every place, and literally in all the places, is his dominion. So God, he wants all of his dominion to be every place. And we, what this verse is saying is that we have the privilege of participating in this endeavor, being part of his dominion. Why? We do what he commands us to do. We extend his dominion in our households, in our business, in the situations that we encounter. And then finally, my soul, bless the Lord. This is what this whole psalm is about, teaching us how to live a life that is a blessing to the Lord, that blesses him. And shouldn't that be your objective? Let me assure you of something. Those who truly want to bless the Lord, they are going to emphasize this psalm. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll listen repeatedly to this teaching on it, but what it does mean is that you're going to read and reread that psalm. You're going to use it as a foundation of your prayers in order that you might know how it is that God wants you to serve him, what's pleasing to him, what is his delight, what is related to his will. And when we have that objective, God will make known to us. He will give us that counsel. He will be a deliverer of wisdom unto us so we know how to serve him and bless him and demonstrate that we are people who fear the Lord. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.